This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. When's the last time we podcasted? Monday? Oh, well, it's good. Nothing's really happened since then. It's been a slow week. Not much to discuss. Oh, wait. Hal Steinbrenner had a quiet, incredibly terrifying press conference where he just sort of meekly reiterated some stuff we already knew, mealy mouth nothing, and then Aaron Boone wants to bunt more. And we all were kind of like, man, that's as bad as it gets. What a dud. The audit's a year-long bummer. I was really hoping for some, you know, change in specifics, but unfortunately I've been blessed once again by nothing. So I guess I'll just accept that we're getting Nothing of substance from Hal and Cash today. Oh, my God. Brian Cashman's brain leaked out of his ear. He screamed at everybody for 45 minutes to an hour uh, in what I would call the most distressing hour of my Yankees fandom potentially ever because of what it means for the fact that the people in the front office can't reflect on a single thing that went wrong accurately, adequately, even a little bit over the past year. Um, I agree that uh, you got to defend your guys and and maybe you don't want to say throw them all under the bus and say, yeah, all right, we're going to do a lot of turnover. We don't believe in our people anymore, but we're pretty effing good is going to stick with you for a while, even if you're referring to the people in the front office and your lieutenants, not so much the team. My God, we have to talk about Alex Verdugo again for whatever reason. We have to talk about David Ross, who might be a pretty good bench coach, and James Rousey, who might be a pretty good hitting coach. But is Aaron Judge's hand pick? Why is Hal Steinbrenner talking to Aaron Judge about this? Is Brian Cashman on the outs? Is he being frozen out? Or is everything just strange? Does the separation of press conferences mean nothing? Plus, Scott Boris does not want Juan Soto in the Bronx this winter. And Kevin Kiermaier wants the Yankees to give him a call. We'll talk about it all and more. This might be six and a half hours long. Thank you for joining us on the stream. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The comment section already lit. 2 o'clock Eastern every Monday and Thursday. Special guest coming on Monday, not today. We got a lot to talk about amongst ourselves. And joining me, as always, is Thomas Carinante, who's got a special offer from today's sponsor before we get into it. Yes, everybody. Thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, Caesar Sportsbook is here. They're running a new sign-up offer that you're not going to want to miss. New customers can get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,000 by using our code YGY1000 at sign-up. Not only will your first bet be covered, but you will also directly be supporting your boys on this podcast. We love you. We think you love us. We're having a good time. Why not get some free money? Why not help us out? Seems like a pretty good deal. So if you haven't yet signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, now is the perfect time to make that move. Just go on over there, sign up, enter that code YGY1000, and place that first bet. Again, YGY1000. This offer is available to new customers only who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for full terms uh, of the offer. Um, yeah, so if you want to bet on Brian Cashman's next distressing meltdown, I'm pretty sure that's like minus a thousand. So it'd be good to risk free money there just to, you know, you're going to get it back. Um, yeah, where do we start? Do we start with, we're probably, we, we probably got to start with Cashman because, uh, yeah. we could talk about how and all the BS that comes with, you know, him giving us nothing, which is usually the case. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's start with Cashman and, um, I would have to agree with you. A very, very, very distressing hour of time. Initially, I thought like, oh, okay, he's backing his guys. 
He doesn't want, you know, the perception of everything uh, that the fans have been bringing to light as the reality. Some of the stuff might be, but I think we also can agree that we do fans exaggerate at times. Yeah. You know, when and, you and having one, having one 80 to an 80 season yeah. does not mean the Yankees haven't had a lot of fantastic seasons in the past and that their shit has never worked. That's, that's true. We're upset because we had a year we didn't like after the line trended down between, I saw Joel Sherman on MLB network. God bless him. And we'll talk about Joel Sherman a lot today, I'm sure. But yeah. he sort of said, he was like, 2023 is the first time the negative cracks actually manifested. And it's like, no, 2021 was awful for us. And 2022 yeah. had the worst first half, second half split I've ever seen. And I didn't have much fun in 2020 either. So it's definitely been a downward trend line leading to the worst year yet, but it's not like this is the first time frustration has manifested. No. And the a lot of the, again, it was a lot of contradictory, a lot of de, uh, defense right off the bat. Um, which had you know that either a it re- really what it felt like, it felt like Cashman the three days before the GM meetings went on Google, searched his name, went on Twitter, searched his name, and then compiled all the bad stuff that's been said, all the critical stuff that has been said, and then just had. Lined them up. I'm going to talk about all these things. I'm going to debunk everything. I'm going to deny everything. Like, I don't, he needs to know, like, you don't need to explain to us how life works when things, when, when deals don't pan out, when trades don't work. We, we know that that happens. He's blanketing, you know, some deals that they, we do better. Some deals we do worse. It's like, no, um, a lot of the deals and everything in between has been worse. There's not really been much of the better. And that variety has that that disparity in the variety has existed for quite some time now. Um, just to pinpoint a couple of things, like you were especially incensed about him talking about uh how small the analytics department is, as if that matters. That got even weirder today weirder. because Eric Boland, Brian Cashman was like. He was like playing a game. He was like, people say we're too analytical. Well, what do you think about this? Actually knowing that we have the smallest analytics team in the AL East. Huh? That's pretty, must be pretty weird for you to hear that. What, what if I told you we had the most scouts ever? It's like that show where they'll like drop a dollar on the street or like have an old woman fall over with a heart attack and see if anybody helps her. And then when they do, they're like, wow, people would do stuff. It's like, why, why are you challenging? Um, and, and it was already annoying to hear Brian Cashman say we have the tiniest analytics team in the division. And what do you think about that? Well, you finished fourth, so maybe that's a problem and you should actually beef that up. But then Eric Boland today came out with a chart that said as of August 27th, Yankees had the second highest number of listed research and development analysts in baseball, not just in the ALEs, second in the game, like Mm -hmm. largest. So was that a lie? Did some of those research and development analysts not use analytics? What, What do they do? What are they there for? Who's lying about what? I tried to power rank the most frustrating moments from the day. Honestly, Aaron Boone loves bunting, and we're going to do more bunting. Crazy. Still number one. Crazy. <laughs> Even crazier than all the stuff that Brian Cashman yelled about. The what Cashman- he said was he thinks Aaron Boone thinks bunting is coming back. Yes. That's, those were his words. Bunting is having a moment, and Aaron Boone is on top of it. But then he was like, that was just like pressing Hal for a specific. Can we get any specific about something that's going to change? Oh, well, here's the first one that comes to mind. So obviously it's the most important one, uh, bunting. Uh, Aaron (laughs) Aaron loves it. 
we love it. Everybody loves it across the game. And so we're going to start teaching again. We forgot to teach it the last couple of years. That's still number one crazy because you just have to have a better example. When somebody says name a tangible change, it can't be like, oh, I got one. The worst possible change. Number two is the small analytics team thing. And it's threatening the number one spot because the analytics team actually seems to be pretty big. Uh, we're well, not only that. Yeah. I wanted to add one more thing there before you kept the power rankings going. It doesn't matter how big or small the analytics department is. No. If you're getting bad information yes. or the wrong information to the point where the captain of the team says, I think we're analyzing the wrong information. It doesn't matter if you have the biggest or the smallest department in the entire league. It means you hired bad people yeah. or you're not analyzing the 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 correct information that the people are giving. I don't know what the we don't know what the flow of uh, that that department is in terms of who gets what information. If the, does the GM go through it and determine what he thinks is best? Does the manager go through the information and determine what he thinks is best? We don't know, but somewhere there's a breakdown, and it has nothing to do with how many employees are in the room. Nothing. Yeah. Um. I. I. Yeah. And Michael Fishman. Crazy. The Michael Fishman, the guy who we all sort of assumed would be fired, like in August, we're like, well, write that guy off. He's not coming back. Chose the audit. He recommended zealous analytics. So clearly, uh, no conflict of interest there. Cool. Embattled analytics guy being like, I got an idea for an audit. The people I like. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, my number three is we're pretty fucking good because he wasn't talking about the roster. He was talking about the scouts and his people, and he was defending his guys. But that said, it's a horrible quote. It's going to be used the way the Red Sox used we do damage against the Red Sox a couple of years ago because we we kind of did do damage against them, but that didn't stop them from fueling an entire playoff run with a Brian Cashman soundbite. And we're pretty effing good is going to be isolated to be referred, you know, to refer to the team. So if you can't, if you don't know that when you say it, you know it now because a lot of people from around the baseball verse yeah. who didn't watch are like, oh my God, Cashman thinks the Yankees are effing good. Oh my God, this guy's office rocker. And yes, he is office rocker. And yes, the personnel people aren't even that good, but that's not what he was saying. So it's embarrassing not to yeah. thing. Number four, yelling at Joel Sherman when Joel Sherman was fully in the right. Brian Cashman acting like it was unimpeachable that they've had a lot of success developing position players over the years. Joel Sherman saying, show me one position player since Aaron Judge has been developed. Brian Cashman just saying, oh, I assume you're referring to Anthony Volpe having a tough year. And Sherman going, that on Peraza, Pereira, Cabrera, literally everybody else. Cashman couldn't name the prospects. No. He goes, oh, it's Volpe and Cabrera and and who else? And then, yeah. and then Sherman was like, Peraza, Pereira. There, yeah. there, there's four, five. Uh, Flor- I don't think he mentioned Floreal, but like that was an obvious number one that he should have. But- and Duhar, Gary yeah. Sanchez. I haven't seen someone developed for more than one year. Labor Torres, it took him four years to get back to being an 800 OPS guy. Like I haven't seen anybody develop successfully linear- linearly. And it's not easy, but it's also not this hard. And Brian Cashman claiming like, well, that's something we do well. No, it isn't. And then number five for me was, and maybe should have been number three. They're all, they all suck. All these moments are terrible, but... Saying Joey Gallo was a great trade because he was, quote, the best Cashman could do to get a lefty at that point in time and uh, didn't actually suck because he went to two playoff teams right after. Well, first of all, you shouldn't put yourself in a position where you have to get a deeply flawed lefty bat in the middle of the season because he didn't have one at the beginning of the season. So if he's the best you could do, you're admitting your plan was bad and you just fell into a trap of like, oh, my God, everyone knows we need lefties and there are none. Let me get Joey Gallo and overpay for him. And then B, going to two playoff teams, he was on the Dodgers and horrific. Right after he was with us, they were mm-hmm. still looking back on the past. He was just dreadful in L.A. And then uh, the Twins, who he got hurt in the middle of this year, was 
had a great April 1st to April 13th or something, then was pretty much Joey Gallo for the rest of the year, didn't participate in the postseason and wouldn't have been a major reason why they advanced or didn't, even if he was fully healthy. So I don't particularly care which teams failed players from the New York Yankees go to afterwards. And even if they do keep going to teams that are smart, isn't that kind of an indictment on the team that can't unlock them? Like, isn't that kind of an indictment on the people who are pretty effing good? Sonny Gray came here, couldn't pitch. I thought it was because he couldn't handle New York. Turns out it's because they were telling him to emphasize the wrong pitch. They went to Cincinnati and they said the Yankees are behind on this. We're ahead. Here you go. Now he's a Cy Young finalist. That's on the Yankees personnel and player development people that Brian Cashman called pretty effing good, which is why it wasn't quite so ridiculous. He wasn't referring to the team, but it was still insane to say that everybody still there is pretty effing good because they get poached sometimes, which I don't. Can you even name an instance of a personnel person getting poached? Carlos Mendoza is not in the front office. I don't even know what he was talking about. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Do you think we'll ever know of people in like, I guess lower ranking front office employees who just go to another organization, like not lower ranking, not defending cash. And I'm just saying, I think there's probably some things we're not going to know of, but at the same time, it's like no high profile people have left unless you want to count fucking Billy Epler. How many stupid raise people do I know? Peter Bendix gets the Marlins job last week. And I'm like, Oh, Peter Bendix is off the board. (laughs) Like I've known this guy forever. I don't know anybody under Fishman in the 80s. Fishman and Gene Afterman. And Tim Naring, who's these people have all been there. It was so it's just this list of names that were treated as like big players and huge potential losses in 2012 who haven't gone anywhere since then. I my biggest thing was with one, the scouting department. He was defending, you know, he said we're pretty fucking good, which again, back your guys, but also you have to look and you're bragging about how you have the largest scouting department in major league baseball again name me the position players who have succeeded over the years joel sherman tried to get him to do that he didn't yeah he wasn't able to name me the prospects who have had somewhere of a linear development most haven't name me some good international signings really haven't been that many used to do that now you don't and then talking about the trades like oh i get a kick how people criticize these trades and it's like we didn't criticize the trades the trades were fine we were fine with giving up what we gave up for Gallo. We had no issue. We thought the Sonny Gray trade was actually brilliant. We're like, holy shit, we gave up a pile of nothing yeah. for an AL Cy Young candidate. The problem is the breakdown somewhere, whether it's the actual trade, which in these two instances it wasn't because we were happy to get the players that we thought would pan out or at least bring something else to the lineup or the roster and didn't, um, or it's the way that they're implemented. But the fact that he's sitting there defending, oh, I get a kick how people criticize these trades. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you're the guy in charge. So if you trade for somebody and it's an objectively bad trade, you're getting roasted. If you trade for somebody and they have an historic, terrible showing with the Joey Gallo's 140 games with the Yankees was probably the worst we have seen ever. Yeah. For a full-time player of someone who, who is supposed to be of greater caliber. Sonny Gray's time here was borderline laughable. And, it, you know, he, he, he has the, 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 the one resounding clip of him is walking off the mound smiling while he's getting booed because he got his, he got his ass kicked once again. So it's like, we are not criticizing just the trade. There are other j- trades to simply criticize because you gave up too much or you didn't actually make, make a trade that, that you should have made. But 
again, not acknowledging that there is a breakdown somewhere, whether it's in the front office evaluation, whether it's in um, the scouting department, whether it's in the coaching, whether it's in the statistical implementation, that is crazy because that shows how short-sighted at least everything is from an operational standpoint, in my opinion. Yeah. I had such a bad time on Monday. <laughs> Again, like I just, I wanted to tear in a house Steinbrenner for not having a plan and for responding to Joel, Joel Sherman again at the house Steinbrenner press conference saying the trades don't work. The process, there's something broken and how going, what about Ian Hamilton? He's, about- he mentioned Ian Hamilton, Wandy Peralta and Clay Holmes. Those are bullpen pieces. Those are not good trades. Those are trades to supplement the roster. Ian Hamilton, not a trade. Minor league league contract signing last February. (laughs) Not a trade. Your list of good trades contains one not trade, which is always bad. You got to have a full list of trades if you're going to defend your trades. Um, It just, it did one favor for me. It just kind of clicked my brain off. Like, I don't need to care about the Yankees this year. I don't really need to care about them next year, I don't think. It's true. Your Cole opt out is really going to be the only thing I think about this year. I think <laughs> I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll watch games. I'll hope Anthony Volpe gets a hit. I'll hope he has a respectable season and I'll hope Garrett Cole doesn't opt out, but I, I don't really like the free agent market this year and I don't have any faith. They're going to play around in the yeah. top part of it. And I, I Glaber Torres is on the table in exchange for Alex Verdugo, which Clark Schmidt for Alex Verdugo was already a trade where I was like, ugh, I get it. It's like equal value, but I hate it. Because you get all this control of Clark Schmidt. We get one year of Alex Verdugo, and I despise Alex Verdugo. We just got the stink off of the team. Herman is gone. Jimmy Cordero is gone. Chapman left last year. Like We finally got the stink of it gone, and now Alex Verdugo, who we've repeatedly tried to flag as, hey, he witnessed a sexual assault in the Dodger system and was prominently involved in the investigation. Never really seemed to get cleared. His role in that never seemed to get cleared up, and he wouldn't talk about it when he went to Boston, but that's gross. It grosses me out, plus just not a very good baseball player. Average to below average power, singles hitting 275 uh undisciplined doesn't show up on time to games type of ball player disaster with the media disaster with the media with one year left in his contract yeah. uh just a big swinging jerk off who doesn't <laughs> seem to fulfill any requirement for the yankees other than is a left-handed bat and so clark schmidt for verdugo i i could see it i guess verdugo was almost an all-star last year before he fell off the face of the earth but glaber torres the Yankees' second best offensive player, which we know that's a problem, but still is true for Alex Verdugo, who would have been last year's bad Yankees' fifth best offensive player. Like, give me a break. You're going to have to give me a top 10 pitching prospect, too, if you do that. It's going to have to be Torres for Verdugo and a top 10 Red Sox prospect, but it won't be because Glaber's, Glaber's $15 million. We just have to trade him, right? That's what we have to do. We don't even have to think about it. We can trade him to the Red Sox. We don't have to think critically. Just like, oh, anybody. And it should be the Red Sox because they want him. Give me give me a break. Like, if that – I'm already, like, out mentally. They could do whatever they want. I, I'm not – there's no one in the free agent market who I'm going to – other than Juan Soto, if he's available. We'll talk about him. If they trade for Juan Soto, great. I am keyed back in. But if they pick up anyone else, I don't have full faith it's going to work out. Hope they have themselves an offseason. Don't see it happening. A lot of big names in next year's free agency pool that I don't want them to – Giancarlo Stanton themselves this year and overspend and block themselves for spending next year on Alex Bregman and Corbin Burns and Juan Soto. 
So there's nobody who's really going to like thrill me. And if they're going to do, and after what we heard, like I don't have faith that they're even going to really try or play around there. And if they decide to do a Taurus for Verdugo swap, the Red Sox hat is in my cart. MLB shop. It's in there hanging out. I, I can't do a year of that. <laughs> I, um, I guess to be fair, because I, I, we, I, I will be fair. At some I'm not being, this. I'm not being fair at all, because I think that's the worst trade proposal I've ever heard. In I world. don't, I don't think it's real. The, for as dysfunctional as the Yankees are, I think the Red Sox are exponentially more dysfunctional. Um, you saw the stuff that kind of leaked out from there. They, um, you know, they had a wild asking price for uh, James Paxson at this year's deadline. Um, there was something that came out um, at this year, this year when they asked um, the Red Sox for. They asked the Red Sox. Uh, they asked the Dodgers. I'm sorry. The Red Sox asked yeah. the Dodgers for like Evan Phillips and a top ten prospect for um, JD Martinez when yeah. JD Martinez was having his bad year. Um, and uh, Paxton for Emmett Sheehan and yeah. two other top yeah. pitching prospects. Like, so no. look, something's good. The, the Boston, whoever's leaking that information, like their front office is clearly like in it, it's a in flux. They just got a new front office. They have all this turnover. Be yeah. like, I like Breslow though, and I I, I yeah. think Ian Bloom is maybe a moron, but I, yeah. I do like Breslow. Stuff has been toxic there, and um, the only reason it's not more magnified is because the Yankees had an eighty-two and eighty season. And yeah. now that this is what we're talking about. And then Brian Cashman feels the need to go and blow up on reporters and say all, you know, use curse words, which, you know, I'm usually fine with if it's kind of the right circumstance or you're delivering the right message. But he wasn't doing that. It was a clear like he wanted to say, fuck this bullshit. Like, I'm sick of hearing this. I'm sick of reading this. Um, And then had nothing to defend it outside of we're pretty good. This department's big. This department's small. Actually, Anthony Volpe played this year. Yeah. Um, what other prospects are you talking about? I'm not sure. We trades don't work out. Yeah, that's part of life. Yeah. It's like none of it was none of it was convincing. I understand. I, I do understand. I sadly, sadly, I have to defend him somewhat. I know where he's coming from because the groans are getting louder. None of this is getting more pleasant for anybody. But at the same time, like the Yankees have neglected a lot of this. And on the flip side, there's not much they can say. And I think that's the problem. Fans are saying, great. If you're going to say something like Hal Steinbrenner, tell us what the changes are. Don't say big changes are coming and we're not, and us as we're not going to notice what they are. I forgot about that. Why won't we notice what they are? Well, what's the reason we won't notice what they are? Are you calling are, are this is other people are saying this and I'm not I, I don't think the Yankees are this brash, but I could be wrong. Are you saying we're stupid and we you don't think that we're going to know what's a momentous change and what's not? Yeah. Are you saying you don't want to tell us what that is because that's what Cashman said too. He's like, we had meetings. I'm not telling you anything in the meetings. And it's like, okay, why though? You can't tell me one thing that happened in the meeting. You're telling me you guys had heated dis- disagreements throughout these three day long meetings that apparently shifted the focus of what 2024 is going to look like. You can't tell me one topic that you guys disagreed on in a fucking room together. You can't tell me that people were arguing between batting average and OPS for 15 minutes before you know, somebody came in and was like, hey, they're both important, but like, let's not l- neglect one for the other. Like, this isn't that difficult. The issues are the issues. Everybody knows what they are. It's all over. It's it's all uh, connected to the same thing. It's it's affecting the roster construction. It's affecting the performance. No, nothing here is mysterious. Nothing here is 
is at least from our perspective, because again, if you're going to go in front of the media and act like this, that means there's some validity to what people are saying. So cats out of the bag. We know what the problems are. The fans know a lot of what the problems are. There is stuff behind closed doors. We're never going to know There's stuff in the clubhouse. We're never going to know There's stuff in the front office and, you know, two departments below Brian Cashman that we're never going to know. But for the most part, we know what's happening. Team had the second fewest hits in the entire league, the second worst batting average, terrible with runners in scoring position, um, terrible with situational hitting, didn't bunt, had Anthony Volpe as a primary base dealer. You still finished with the 20th uh, fewest stolen bases in the league. Like we see what's happening. And then on top of that, every move that you make that you think is impactful is indeed not. You're like another lie here. Cashman saying, you know, we went through Frankie Montas's medicals. It sucks. It sucks. That's what he was saying. It sucks. Yeah, it just didn't work out. What are we going to do? A, there's two. The, well, A, the first thing is that Montas came out and said he wasn't healthy. We know that. Like, like Cashman, we know that. He yeah. said it. You can't say the opposite now. We know what the player said. And not only we know it, we know what the player said. He point blank said it to the media. And secondly, I, I'm I'm actually very surprised Joel Sherman didn't didn't say this because Cashman was right in front of him talking about this. I think he was looking at Joel Sherman when he was talking about Montas too, or at least in his direction. I think he's looking at Joel Sherman the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Your logic with the Montas trade, if you if if we break it down from an outside perspective, right? The whole Montas trade on the surface was you swapping out Jordan Montgomery for Frankie Montas. So that was your plan on this again. That's what that's what it was. You yeah. traded away Jordan Montgomery. You traded for Frankie Montas. So guess what? You need to answer for why you thought Frankie Montas would be better than Jordan Montgomery after what Jordan Montgomery just did. And you also need to perhaps talk about the other plan that you may have had with Pablo Lopez that fell apart or any other pitcher. Because if you thought in the midst of a 99-win season when you need more and more pitching to survive the postseason, that's swapping out one good pitcher for a question mark pitcher who could be good or also could be injured is, is not, is not a winning move. That's objectively not a winning move. Any other GM would tell you that every GM at every trade deadline is dying for pitching. doesn't matter who it is. The pre the, the prices on um, a spot starter are elevated. The prices on a mid mid reliever are elevated because that's how valuable it is when the postseason comes or just to get you through the regular season in order to have your other guys ready for the postseason. So talking about Frankie, Frankie Montas's medicals is almost, I I would have said it's, it's not um, relative, but Frankie Montas came out and said that he wasn't healthy. Otherwise you need to, you need to, you need to justify the, the swapping of now a world series champion for a guy who had one full season as a starter and got suspended for PEDs and was never really great. So uh, yeah, I'd like to hear more about that because that has nothing to do with medicals. Never forget. We all got fooled by the Harrison Bader pixie dust for a couple of seconds. Yes. They devalued that asset too. They had him this year. He was terrible and injured this year. And then they gave him away in the middle of August instead of trading him at the deadline. But uh, a, a contender, like we got fooled by Harrison Bader for a couple of minutes and we loved Harrison Bader at his best, but a contender, a genuine contender, uh, you know, a, a, a 70 and 38 team or whatever the Yankees were last year at a That's certain point, giving away pitching and saying, we're good. We're good. We don't need more of this. We're going to have less of it at the deadline is the most indefensible thing I've seen from a front office. The most arrogant thing I've seen from a front office in years. Look at the Dodgers this season. 
They have a deal in place for Eduardo Rodriguez at the deadline. It falls apart. They get Lance Lynn at the deadline. And what does everybody say? Adding one starter isn't enough. You guys should have added two. At the time of that trade, they had an all-star level Clayton Kershaw, Julio Arias in the rotation, Tony Gonsolin in the rotation. Those are three people who either aren't there or their shoulder has fallen apart beyond repair by the time the playoffs roll around. The Dodgers didn't get enough when they got one starter and could have gotten two. And eventually, in the next month, they lost three people who would be making playoff starts. And they had to go with rookies. And they were undermanned. And it was, wow, you only got one starter instead of two. The Yankees gave away a starter and replaced him with another starter. That's what they did, a one-for-one swap. No depth increase, just saying, I like name over name. Yes. And then Luis Severino hit the 60-day IL, and Nestor Cortez got hurt. And all of a sudden, you're down to the dregs. You're you're digging people up from AAA in the middle of a season that, again, was at one point, it was, a hey, are the 2022 Yankees the 98 Yankees? Well, no, because they got hurt. They get hurt every single year, and the GM at the deadline mismanaged the clubhouse and mismanaged, just misjudged what it means to be an executive in the game of baseball. If any GM ever said to me, we have enough pitching, we're good, ever again, I will lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited-edition, ultra-low-net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I, I don't even know. I yelled a lot, so I kind of feel bad. I hope you got, your guys' ears are okay. I'm screaming. But, I mean, there's there's a no. lot else for us to talk about. I think yeah. we've, we've probably addressed yeah. these losers enough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is what it is. It's We got the vague. It was the good cop, bad cop. We got the vague. Like, Hal Steinbrenner did say some good stuff. He said, this is absolutely – it was a disaster. Yeah. Are it you going to ask me what I – are you going to ask me what I thought about the season? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was absolutely awful. I thought it was yeah. unacceptable. Okay, thank you. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought him saying like winning record is the requirement and not, you know, not what you, an accomplishment. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, you know, he acknowledged he just it's clear that he doesn't know enough about the baseball operation. So it's like he has nothing to really weigh in on. And then obviously, I guess these changes that they're discussing, he probably doesn't know too much about it. I don't know. That's my guess. And then he's like, well, I'm not going to reveal what this is because I don't know how, you know. What, what what kind of a stir this would create? And he said multiple times he's talking to Aaron Judge. So it was like, is Brian Cashman even involved here? Does he does he not want to weigh in what he's talking about exclusively with Judge and exclusively with Cashman? Like I don't know. But either I way, like the, you know, I like the idea that like you look is is maybe the, there are two separate stories on Juan Soto. I remember Martino saying they're calling him, uh, they're calling the Padres, and then Heyman saying they're not actually. They did it at the deadline. Is that because like Hal called the Padres, and then Hal told Martino we called the Padres, and Cashman didn't even know that it happened, so he went to Heyman's like that never happened because he literally doesn't know that Hal Steinbrenner and Randy Levine did it. Like, it, is it true? It's it's obviously like a little fanciful, but not out of the realm of possibility. That would be that would be funny. Um, but then again, then what's the point of Cashman? Why is he still here? What's the point um, of anything? Why, yeah. If Cashman's like family and you can't fire him, then why is he also flying blind and screaming for 45 yeah. minutes at, at a group of reporters? Well, the, yeah, I mean, that's what I got out of this whole thing. Like, Hal doesn't know that much about the baseball operations, which I guess is fine. But like, you also have to make, you know, hard decisions if 
the baseball operations is failing around you. Um, two, he told us nothing, which was probably part of the plan. And then three, Brian Cashman going score shirt like that tells me that he he knows he's never losing his job. You um, think? So, uh, you you would think yes. I I mean I would I would poop, throw up, and sneeze if he if we got a if we got a tweet drop on the timeline that that he get that he gets fired in Hal the, didn't even Hal didn't even really mention him like before didn't mention him at all no before he screamed at everybody I was like oh well he's not on the hot seat like it, Hal, Hal didn't even evaluate his performance he didn't even bring him up in the earlier portion of the day he just talked about bunting and you think Cashman Cashman went crazy and got everybody sick at the GM meetings? I think Cashman flung poop at the GM meetings and got everybody farting on people's plates. I think that's exactly what happened. We didn't even, we did, we done 35 minutes. We didn't even talk about bitter boy. Bitter boy. Oh my God. He's surprised that, who is it? Ben, Ben Ruda. Ruda. Brian Cashman called Ben Ruda, the former Yankees minor leaguer who said the team doesn't teach baseball anymore on the foul territory podcast, called him bitter boy and said, he's shame on you for giving him a platform because he regressed after he left the Yankees. Uh, And then Ruda today had a three notes app screenshot tweet thread. um, Basically saying again, you know, no, they teach swings, not hitting, no situational hit. I look. I don't know whose side to take here. Ben Ruda certainly did get worse after he left the Yankees. The Yankees minor league system is actually really good at reducing strikeout rate, increasing contact rate, and and hits with risk. And the Yankees minor league system is very good at everything that the real Yankees are bad at, and everything yeah. that you want to say the Yankees don't do well. They actually do do well at the minor leagues, but they don't do well in the major leagues, which is insane. Not the point. The opposite of the point. But I mean, I, yeah. I just I don't know what the platform was. He was asked a question about the Yankees minor league practices and he fucking answered it. Like, yeah. What do you think? He like shame on foul territory for having a guy that they knew on the fucking show. Like, it's what? good content. It's good yeah. content. It's not an agenda. Like, hey, you were an ex prospect here. You went to another you went to two other organizations after you left them. What happened? Oh, well, you know, I kind of noticed this. This was crazy. Doesn't I mean, yeah, maybe maybe he's not a great maybe. I mean, he's obviously not a great baseball player. Maybe he's a bad baseball player, but that doesn't mean he can look at the process. He he's not allowed to look at the process and be like, hey, something's weird here. Why are we why are we getting points for a hundred mile an hour line drive outs, but not getting any credit for you know putting the ball in the right place if you're situationally hitting? Like, I don't the fair assessment, but bitter boy, like crazy. I don't know. Clearly, again, read everything three days prior and mm-hmm. then went through machine gun, went through the list of stuff that he was going to roast. And he's going to I, I God, I hope he doesn't see this. I now I'm nervous. Been thinking about Ben Ruda for months. He's probably thinking about <laughs> us again. What if he calls yeah. us the bitter boys? I'm not I'm not that bitter. Look, I'm even giving cash in leeway. It's like I think I don't think the team has been fundamentally broken forever. And I don't think, you know, you don't need to blow it up after an 80 to an 80 season. But you have to acknowledge the trend lines of the last four years. And you have to certainly. Uh, there was no acknowledgement of that either. No, no. I mean, even Joel Sherman said it finally manifested last year. It didn't. I mean, did anybody enjoy the 2021 season where the where the bullpen was a disaster and it took an, a late rally to even save a playoff spot? And then they did got you, blown out by their yeah. rivals in a one game winner take all. Like, did you enjoy after after uh, July uh, 20th of 2022? September 8th a single to fucking 19th was pretty good. They beat up the Rays in like one series in September. And I was like, oh, that was okay. But no, they almost blew a 17-game lead in the division. So I didn't like that either. Yeah. 
there was a lot of un- unenjoyable bait, like 2020 season. Look, I get pandemic year. We'll never know what stuff. that was. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff you couldn't do like fine reset, whatever. Like, yeah, we were angry that year because there were some dumb decisions made, but water under the bridge. I'll, I'll yeah. give you a pass for 2020. You don't get a pass for 2021. 2022 collapse was uh, the, the, the near collapse. And then the playoff embarrassment was inexcusable for really any professional baseball team. It doesn't matter what the standards are in New York. It doesn't matter. Like if the Royals jumped out to a 70 and 38 record and then flirted with losing the division and then faced their chief rival in the ALCS and got absolutely pasted, the fans would be just as upset. There's no, there's that has nothing to do with expectations or elevated spotlight or whatever. And then this year start to finish bad. So again, we did not think, and we are dumb. We did not think, Anything would outdo the 2021 season, how agonizing that was. And that was a 91-win team, 92-win team? 91-91. Yeah. 91-win team. We didn't think it could get worse than that, and that's dumb on us because obviously you can win fewer than 90 games. But you can also win 88 games or 86 games and make the playoffs, as we've seen teams do, and have it not be um, torture for six straight months. Um and it's and the the Yankees have figured out ways to make things more and more difficult as the years have progressed in all different ways. 2000 uh, 2021 was a playoff team that was one game away from changing their entire fortune and managed to you know they failed to reach their potential in many ways and then they blew it at the end of the year in the worst way they possibly could. Mm-hmm. 2022 they seemingly rebounded from that and then they used two months to completely fall off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. because of chemistry because of what the GM did because of uh you know what the GM did in terms of actual trades and and letting trade rumors get out there affecting Glaber Torres's play upending the pitching staff and then you have 2023 where it was like you're relying on Josh Donaldson again why we just saw that happen you're going into the season with no left fielder or you're bringing Aaron Hicks back and the situation's toxic why are you doing that you have no left-handed hitters why are you doing that and then finally it just bottomed out and then it became a 500 win team that you knew from June was not making the playoffs. And the, yeah, the fact that, yeah, you're right. The fact that Sherman said that that was, you know, it, 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 that was when the cracks started to show. No, that was the, that those were the cracks. Yeah. And it, and we're lucky it didn't get worse. The only reason it, the only reason it, I, I don't even know why it wasn't where it should have been a lot worse. Like they, they honestly got lucky here and there. Um, especially down the stretch with other teams, like for some reason being able to unhit against them, uh, be, not being able to hit against them. Like the sweep of the Astros, fucking anomaly at this point, absolute luck. You know, I know you had the infusion of youth or whatever, but like that's that that was a crazy thing to happen. That wasn't that wasn't more of a reflection of what the Yankees were trending towards or what they might be doing. That was a reflection of the Astros having a shitty week of baseball, which every team does. Um, so yeah, three straight years, three completely different ways of, disastrously letting down the fan base and the fact that you think that you're pretty good, pretty fucking good at what you do um, with, you know, no pennant since 2009, um, pretty much getting boat raced in uh, every CS you've been to with the exception of 2017, like mm-hmm. not, not, not good. Just not good. Objectively not good. Not, not, a uh, not good. And uh, not, not, not good. Yeah. And next year, if they don't make the World Series next year, which they're not going to, it'll be the longest drought this franchise has ever had 
without making the World Series. Not without winning it, but without making it. And that should be uh, – what's the opposite of a point of pride? That should be what that is for this year's New York Yankees. A um, couple quick hits before we sign yes, off. Hitting coach? Yeah, I mean, what, what's the deal with the hitting coach? We, Why is he taking so long? We, we thought we were going to have James Rousen be the hitting coach when we signed on for this show. They were apparently crossing T's and dotting I's on Tuesday. Um, exciting hire. You know, don't let the fact that he was the Tigers assistant hitting coach distract you last year. He piloted the 17 to 19 twins Bomba squad. He's Aaron judges development guys with the Yankees in minor league development. Oh, eight to 11, 14 to 16. And when I read that, I thought, okay, sure. He worked with judge, but are he and judge close? Cause everybody knows judge has an outside hitting guru. He uses named teacher man. So I was like, well, did he really work with judge or what? And apparently they're close. So that's great. But that does if that's the hire, I like it. Uh it does bring up a whole nother can of worms though, where apparently like Judge and Hal sat together and hammered this out, which I don't know, man. Like Aaron Judge should have an influential voice. I don't think Aaron Judge should be the GM of the New York Yankees. I think uh Look, sometimes people talk about how the Yankees get in trouble when they make moves that fans requested rather than following their process, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I can't really name a move that did only one and not the other. I can't name a time they did something fans wanted that would have been antithetical to what they'd done in the past, but they shouldn't be listening to us. If we hate a move and it works, they should be able to be vindicated there, and if we all have to sit through a move and it's terrible, we should be allowed to criticize uh, I like Judge being in the room. I don't like Judge being like the primary voice here. I don't like Judge going behind somebody's back. I don't think Judge is doing anything he shouldn't be doing, but I do think the process is a little broken if the response to, hey, we need to fix this, is less front office, more our players. Yeah, that means the front office is bad. And I, that, think, I mean, and- I guess it just means the front office is bad, and let's see what Judge can come up with. But it does just feel like a betrayal almost. Yeah, no, it does. It, it 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 reflects that the front office is not as effective as it should be with what it has to do, and it reflects that they clearly have tuned out and disregarded opinions of players, former players, influential baseball people for a long time because now it's an overcorrection. Now it's like, we don't want to hear anything you have to say. You know, we talked – I know Reggie Jackson and Goose Gossage are perhaps not the best examples because – um they, they, they've kind of gone off the rails over the last few years. Um, but now, like we talked about with Reggie Jackson um, going on Fox uh, during the ALCS, uh, there is something to be said about that now because mm-hmm. it's clear they don't listen to the players. It's clear that some of these trades that they have made, they did not ask. So like if you went up to Garrett Cole at the 2022 trade deadline, you were like, look, we're thinking about trading Jordan Montgomery. He would have said, fuck, no, you're not. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. Oh, no. Why? No, wait, why? Who are we getting? Oh, we're getting a guy in a walking boot. Oh, no, then fuck no. We're not doing that. So, like, clearly, like, now that now they feel implored, like, oh, shit, we haven't listened to players or former players or whoever for so long. Now let's see what they think um, about uh, formulating an entire coaching staff. Let's see what they think about that. Yeah, we'll keep Boone. Um, we'll, 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 handpick, we'll have them handpick the hitting coach and the bench coach. Like, no, no, the players need to be heard. And the information needs to be parsed through and an informed decision needs to be made. Not, okay, Aaron Judge is special advisor to the owner now. And we're going to come up with the best ways to figure out everything that we need to figure out. Um, so like, yeah, like I think the, the moral of the story here is that there's been so many breakdowns over the years that they don't even know kind of how to approach these things because not much has worked. 
And now we're seeing the ripple effects of now them having to overcorrect um, or I guess betraying Brian Cashman and him unloading on a group of fucking reporters. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy what we have to talk about. We did not expect to talk about this. Um, does Aaron Judge know David Ross? If he doesn't, he should. Aaron Boone apparently does. Cubs manager got blindsided the other day, and it wasn't just us theorizing he'd be a good bench coach. Uh, we talked it down. Last week, we were just like, hey, it'd be nice, but clearly they want Luis Rojas. Uh, apparently, they don't want to go internal on the bench coach hire, as we found out later in the week which that's important to me. And, and the athletic Brandon Cuddy threw out David Ross. It wasn't just us saying, Hey, go get guy like guy available. Now go get guy. Like Brandon Cuddy <laughs> threw out David Ross and said that he and Boone are, have a good relationship. And there is no, there's no better bench coach hire in the world. If you're going external, apparently Joe Espada's contract also expired. In that Houston, would do that too. Which is interesting. Uh, Carlos Beltran is staying with the Mets, at least. So they say, as a special advisor to the new administration. Uh, but for me, it's a spot or a Ross and there's really no plan C. Yeah. I mean, I would raw to me, Ross has to be the answer, but then he is apparently the Padres want him. And that would probably, that would probably be a really good destination. More for appealing, him yeah. Based on what has happened. Um, yeah. I wouldn't go internal for um, the bench coach hire for that's the smartest thing they've said so far. Yeah, because then what are you doing at that point? You're just elevating the status quo that has not worked. Not that I'm against Luis Rojas, but I mean, clearly, whoever's been brought in, like they did, they did, they they had a massive coaching overhaul after the 2021 season. Yeah, cleared it out. Said this is this is part of the problem. These guys' contracts are up. We're not bringing them back. And then we saw. Epic collapse second half of 2022, which I think was more indicative of what the front office was doing, and then worse 2023. So um, I think the the fact of the matter is that you need a fresh voice from outside who hasn't, I guess, been in the weeds for two years or three years, like not being able to see the bigger picture. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I would also like to take somebody away from the Astros. That would be sick. I would like to take away a manager from – um, an upstart Cubs team that has been gradually and slowly improving for three, four years. Like that, th those would be the smart moves. So um, let's, I guess, pray for the best. I didn't change the ticker here. Sorry, guys. We're talking about the bench coach. It's all out of whack today. Fucking out of whack. All good. Hold up, Cashman. Don't don't be dropping that on me. Don't, keep your keep your lid on. Keep your cool. Imagine he comes in here. We hear the ding. It's like doo 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 sunglasses on inside sunglasses pink pink shirt pop collar he's clearly up all night pooping after getting the norovirus at the winter meetings so clearly like bleary eyed just not ready for prime yeah. time how's everybody doing screaming at joel sherman yeah, like we're allies That's i hate i hate it 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 now uh but the only other thing that really occurred at the winter meet at the gm meetings we're still a month away from the winter meetings I would recommend everybody listen to the tune in to the baseball insiders at three 30 today, Eastern time. After you get off this podcast, we're going to be talking to Robert Murray, who was on the ground for all of this nonsense. And we'll get some more insider boots on the ground on, on the craziness. Um, but look, Kevin Kiermeyer, <laughs> apparently uh, Kiermeyer wants the Yankees to call him. The Yankees like Kevin Kiermeyer. It feels Ooh. like they could move fast on that. In theory, uh, the Yankees have talked to the Cardinals about Alec Burleson. no, and uh, Brendan Donovan, yes, but can't be your only move. And the reason they've probably done these things, talking to other outfielders, is because Scott Boris is trying to steer Juan Soto to free agency next year. So if anybody does, this. you didn't see this? 
No. If, if anybody does trade for Juan Soto, feels like he's probably not going to sign an extension. And it kind of feels like Boris would prefer nobody trade for Juan Soto. He took to the mic yesterday, did his usual bunch of puns. Uh, it was pretty, he said like a pole, the, we're not hibernating on the polar bears extension and everybody had a laugh and it oh. was, it was really annoying for oh. a lo- for a long time. But he said the Padres have given him an off season plan and a plan for their 2024 roster. And that includes Juan Soto in the lineup. So I don't know why the Padres would be handing Scott Boris a, an idealized lineup for 2024, Maybe just a courtesy because he's their client and they they said, hey, Scott, by the way, you know, good luck with that. You know, here here's what we'd be willing to pay him as an extension. But don't worry, we're not going to trade him. We're not going to complicate your life. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to float that so that people would be dissuaded from giving them a fair trade offer, fair compensation so that he could get to free agency without changing teams again. I think Scott Boris would probably prefer if he didn't enter free agency as a national Padre, somebody else, but was just national Padres. And now you're free. Um, and the, none of this means that the Padres can't reverse course. None of this means Scott Boris even knows what he's talking about. It's just one client and he doesn't make the decision about whether the Padres trade him or not, but he was clearly trying to spread the narrative that, Hey, he's in San Diego's plans for next year. And he's not the first one to say that because John Heyman says John Heyman power ranked the Yankees outfield targets and, and offensive targets this week and said, Otani clear number three, not that likely. And I agree. I'd be stunned if they pursue him number two, Soto, and because he didn't think he'd be available. And number one, Bellinger, because the Yankees have already apparently touched base there. Not interested, but sure. Um, I wouldn't take what Scott Boris says at face value, but I would just say that he's clearly, uh, whatever he says, his agenda is to get Juan Soto to free agency. So if you trade for him, he's going to make your life tough because he does not want you to extend this man. Yeah, and I think that's part of the worry with the Yankees too because, you. I mean, we go back to something like, the Verdugo Torres trade, which I think is fake. Um, But if that, let's say in fantasy world, that that was actually a plan for the Yankees, that means they have no long-term plan. You're trading a good middle infielder for a mediocre outfielder, both of whom, both of the guy's contracts are expiring after this year. So you don't have a plan to make your lineup more balanced beyond 2024. And as good as Juan Soto is, I'll take him fucking tomorrow for any price, but like, Juan Soto doesn't make this team World Series contenders. It he just doesn't. The, it, unless everybody were to stay healthy or regressions were to, you know, go away, but that's the problem with the Yankees too. They have too many injuries every year. They have too many regressions and they don't have enough they don't have enough athletes or at least, you know, uh um younger, quicker, you know, whatever, uh, agile athletes on the team. Um, Because obviously everybody on a baseball field is athletic in a sense, but um, it's clear there is a gap between the Yankees and other teams. Um, They they need to change a lot of things, and it doesn't just it doesn't just go away with getting Juan Soto for one year. Getting Juan Soto in the building, great. Getting him beyond twenty twenty four, in my opinion, absolutely imperative for any team that trades for him because that's a corner that's a uh, cornerstone franchise player that you'll be able to have. Uh, for the next decade plus, um, but he does—he by no means make all makes any uh, all of these problems go away. And then the battle with the front, the battle with getting him, and then trusting the front office to make the right moves after that, when the front office has not made the right moves in a really long time. Juan Soto's the layup move. All you have to do is just offer the Padres more than what the next 
your highest bidder is offering them and you fucking get Juan Soto. It's not that hard. They can, they're not, they can't sign him long-term because of financial issues. Yeah. Um, he probably doesn't want to stay there, especially if there's another, you know, semi letdown season next year, which it's shaping up to be because they're going to be losing a bunch of talent. Um, so there, there's, there's too many factors here that are not in the Yankees favor. Um, because there's a lot to do just beyond Juan Soto and it's, it's really not going to fix. It's, it's not going to fix all of the stuff that this franchise has had problems with for a, a long time now. Um, I'm, I'm on the Juan Soto train. I want him. I'll take him tomorrow at any price, but th- this is not a rocket science move for the front office. The rocket science moves for the front office are figuring out ways to get other guys out of the building and, you know, uh, cost effective, you know, contributors beneath them. Or in place of them, mixing up the lineup, getting a little bit younger, figuring, you know, getting actual versatile players who can who can who can man multiple uh defensive positions and actually do it effectively. You know, get a switch, get get a switch hitter. Uh find you know what you can fucking do? Find every reliever that you find that nobody can ever uh understand why you were able to morph them into, you know, uh Steinbrenner mentioning Ian Hamilton. Um, Clay Holmes and Wani Peralta do that with a position player for once, for once do that with a, do that with a starting pitcher for once. And Nestor doesn't count um, because he was here since the beginning. And then we ended up getting him back for, you know, a discount on whatever, because he was not good in Baltimore and Seattle, but Nestor Cortez, what you mean? The Hialeah kid. Where is he? Nestor Cortez, a great pitcher. Where is he? He's got that fastball. I'll tell you. (laughs) The funniest thing that has ever happened. We, I think we needed that last night. We needed a random, completely out of left field video of Donald Trump shouting out Nestor Cortez Jr., who I guess was there, but also like it's not. He's like, where is he? Did he come? Where is he? Did he come? Like, I don't. There's no even acknowledgement that he's for sure there. <laughs> he just had in his notes, Nestor Cortez might show up. It looks like he read the baseball reference page. He's like, yeah. highly a kid. Good nickname. Good nickname. <laughs> I'll say it later for sure. Uh, deeply, deeply odd. So confusing. Yeah, shit's out of whack, guys. I don't know what to tell you, man. Everything is everything's wild. But yeah, long story short, you want Soto, you get whatever you do, whatever it takes to get him. But just know that he is not the uh, not the panacea for the New York Yankees next year. Again, I mean, I said this year was going to be the year last year because I thought that uh, you know Volpe would maybe find his sea legs in the middle of the season. The team would gel. I thought maybe I thought last year's Yankees would be like a 90, 89 win team sneaking into the wild card, probably lose early, but it would set the foundation for a really good 2024. Now I'm just like so beyond out on 2024. I learned nothing last year, like almost nothing. Everyone who needed to show me something showed me nothing. Um, And the player development kept cranking out, you know, guys hitting, 152 so i i just don't know um i i don't know what we're doing i i, I know nothing and, and i think next year's free agency cycle is replete with you want to talk about the one-year rebuild get soto and burns next year keep cole that's pretty impressive get bregman soto next year and and bring yamamoto this year like that'll get you where you want to be but um yeah right now there's nothing you can do this offseason that makes him a contender that's why Bellinger, Yamamoto, Kiermaier, Bellinger, Kiermaier, Brendan Donovan, Burleson, Carlson, <clears throat> Kiermaier. Like, there's so many names we've heard a million times. Kepler. Like, 
Yeah, you, you could push your team to 86 wins, but I don't think you're really making a world of difference here. Nope. Sad. But Kiermaier, I think we like him. I like him. I like him a lot. I, I like Kepler now. I didn't last year, but then I had to see a year of Kepler, and he, he improved himself without having to come to the Yankees and unlock himself. So now I'm in. Like, oh, somebody else did it? He figured it out? Great. Come on down. Jorge Polanco is a twin that they might have to cut bait on for salary reasons. Like, I kind of like that. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. be mad at a number of these things, but none of it re- It would be really, really hard to add it all up to World Series favorites. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think the bear, again, you kind of got to start with a clean slate-ish. Um, and a good silver lining here is that Kiermaier has interest in coming to the Yankees. And I, we have felt like for a long time, a lot of players don't have interest in coming to the Yankees. Um, who mentioned it? Somebody, oh God. Kiermaier? No, no, somebody else recently mentioned that. Um, I forgot. It was either Sean Casey and Cameron Mabin were on an MLB Network segment, and they were talking about the importance of getting the right personalities in the door um, for New York because there is uh, obviously a greater demand for uh, you know mental capacity when you're here um, to deal with everything that's going to be thrown your way and. It's unrelenting and it's difficult. Um, and I think, you know, we we have surmised that over time, players have been less and less enthused to come here because, A, the Yankees don't necessarily, I guess, pay what they used to. I mean, they kind of do, but they also kind of don't. I understand that argument, but at the same time, like, they do spend. They spend. They don't spend probably as much as they should, but they still spend. Um, yeah. Secondly is the tax dollars. You get rocked in taxes. We've seen, you know, I think that's a big reason, you know, people like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon went to Texas. You get rocks in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Come to Florida, Nestor. New York, no longer the place to be. <laughs> you have, you, I, that's part of the argument. And then there is, um, it's like, why am I going to come here and deal with all this shit? Uh, because it's not easy. But the fact that Kiermaier, who's not a high price free agent, um, who, I guess it is willing to deal with whatever thrown his way. Like that's, I think that's a really big silver lining and somebody who should be sought out in free agency. Talk to, talk to him at least. Mm-hmm. Hey, why do you want to come here? Why do you, why did you, you know, Carlos Correa again, did we want him here? Kind of not really. It would have been great to not have to win a world series of Carlos Correa, take the one guy who was, you know, very much the engine for the Astros for that long stretch of play, but he wanted to come here. Yeah. He wanted to come. That's big. Va- that's that's that's. In- I can't even describe to, to you guys how valuable that is for someone Twice. to want to be here. Twice. Twice he wanted to come here. So, I mean, the more players that you can get like that, the better. That's going to make the team better. That's going to make the team stronger. It, again, it doesn't start and end with Kevin Kiermeyer, but it starts with a guy coming off the bench, being able to give you quality at bats and play good defense, and has enjoyment being here and doesn't care about the criticism. So. I'd, I'd make it happen. Uh, it does. It, and it's not going to cost you a lot and it's going to make you at least a little bit more competitive. A guy who kind of kicks ass in the AL East. He's done it for years. Why not? If he comes here and he's bad and he's hurt and I'm wrong. Fine. Sure. But I, 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 and if he comes here and he's penciled in as a starter, yikes. But I, I think he's a great addition to a roster that at least intends you have to show just because we think that this season is not going to end in a world series does not mean the Yankees can open the season with that same mentality. They can't be like, well, not our year. Next year will be our year. We're not going to add anybody. We're not going to try to even like, 
I'm not asking for show moves or surface moves. I'm asking you to treat this like you have a, a small competitive window because Eric Cole has an opt out after this year and he and Aaron Judge are both getting older. So I might not believe in you right now, but you have to believe in what you're doing. Yes. Don't go to don't go to work if you don't believe in what you're doing. That's the one silver lining of the we're pretty fucking good thing that like at least I guess you care enough to defend yourself in a terrible way in a in a mistake filled manner but at least you care and you want to get better this year i think i think we are good at what we do i think so i think we're pretty effing good i think we got a pretty effing good comment section yeah here i think we got a pretty effing good stream i think we got pretty effing good guests typically um but if we didn't i would reevaluate I would look inward. I would be like, well, let's change things. I wouldn't just do a, I wouldn't do a live stream where I was like, everybody's saying they're rating us one star they're yeah, on Apple podcasts. Uh, and they're saying we're pretentious and, and ill-informed. And you know what? You're ill-informed. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing how about it. You're pretentious. Yeah. You ever thought about how leaving a comment's actually the most pretentious thing of all? Cause you don't even have a platform. You're taking one. You're giving yourself a platform by going in the comment section. Well, guess what? I get paid to do this. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm never getting, yeah, Roberto, Fernando, if you guys want to audit the podcast, let us know if we need to make changes. <laughs> and we will absolutely come on here and address them, uh, not reactively. We'll be proactive. But uh, until then, you can find us same time, same place, same channel, Mondays, Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time, every Monday, every Thursday. Not Thanksgiving. We'll figure out an alt for Thanksgiving week. You're not going to see us on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday. Um, bring in guests when we can. Hopefully, we're going to have an exciting one for you on the live stream on Monday uh, with some fun stuff planned. Some stuff got shuffled around, but I think we're going to have a good one then. Um, if you're not subscribed to the audio feed, please do. If you're not subscribed to the video feed, please join us here. Uh, we're going to hopefully be bringing you a lot in the new year as well, which is crazy. Only less than two months away. I am Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter, still an existing website, at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you and get your deal at Caesar Sportsbook? Uh, promo YGY1000. YGY1000, baby. Hit me up at Tommy's underscore takes. We are at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. YanksGoYard.com is where you need to go. Tons of content, off-season stuff, everything you could ever imagine. Even more than what we talk about on here when we're enjoying our time with you guys. So please um, take a look at the website. We appreciate your guys' support, your readership, your viewership. Um, we'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a good weekend. Um, enjoy some football, I guess. Are I guess. we enjoying football? Do we enjoy football anymore either? No, we the, don't. The New York Giants, the, the Cowboys are favored by 16 and a half points against the I'll Giants. take the Cowboys, yeah. You have to take the Cowboys beat the Giants starters. Why do I 1,000? Yeah, why do I 1,000? The Cowboys are going to cover that and double that. Cowboys are going to win, but I would take the Cowboys 32 and a half. Yeah, I would say 31 to six. Yeah. No, I, I had 45 to three. <laughs> 40 to nothing with the starters in. Why yeah. would Tommy DeVito be able to do any better? It's true. Yeah, I love the Giants. I get what they're doing, but uh, they're not going to win this game or a lot of other games. So no. bet against them. Uh, enjoy your football if you can. Hopefully some offseason transactions go down and we'll see you again on Monday.